You're listening to the TV Sports Radio Show. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another week of the freshly renamed Dylan and Dylan Show presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. Today is two or today's Friday, June 4th. My name is Dylan Jesperson. With me, as always, my colleague, my co-host, and my main man, Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. It's been another great week and wacky week in the world of sports, and I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I say this every week, but I'm excited to get into the topics today because there's, like you said, a ton of things going on in the world of sports and a lot of things, a lot of breaking news to get talking about today. So excited to get into that stuff. Quick reminder to follow the TV Sports Radio Show on Spotify so you guys never miss an upload. This week, we are jumping into the breaking news surrounding Coach K and his retirement at Duke. Dylan and I are loving the playoff atmosphere that the NHL and NBA are giving us. So we're going to give you guys a few of our favorite playoff moments of all time. And then this week in sports, we'll get into the Lakers and LeBron as their season came to an end last night, as well as the future matchups in the NBA and NHL playoffs, as well as a quick segment on Floyd Mayweather's, let's call it, boxing spectacle going on this weekend. First up, big news out of the NBA, out of Boston, as the Celtics finally decided to change some things up, not on the roster as of yet, but big moves within the front office as Danny Ainge steps down as president of basketball operations after 18 years in that role, took over in 2003, head coach Brad Stevens will be replacing him after a mixed bag in terms of the coaching success in the NBA. Uh, Ainge was one of the more recognizable front office guys. He made some of the big news, including bringing Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen to the uh, Celtics and, and uh, eventually trading those guys to the Nets for a bunch of first round draft picks. Uh, but face criticism lately after the, the Celtics kind of flatlined in terms of uh, how competitive they could be. Dylan, give me your thoughts on the Celtics moves and maybe your thoughts on uh, a new direction for their coaching staff. I think this is really interesting. It was interesting timing as they were just bounced from the playoffs uh, by the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, It's kind of like an end of an era, sort of, because, I I mean, the last decade or so, we've seen Brad Stevens go from the next up-and-coming great coach when he was at Butler and doing all those great things down there, going to two national championships, the Final Fours. Uh, and then taking the Celtics job in 2013. And it, like you said, it was a mixed bag because they did go to three conference finals in the Eastern Conference. And the Eastern Conference kind of been looked at as a weaker conference, but he did it while LeBron was there. He was going to these conference finals while LeBron was in the Eastern Conference quite a bit. Um, but he could never get past that, get to the finals. And we all know the standard in Boston is you make it to the finals, you win the finals. So uh, he faced criticism. Uh, and his time there, but overall, I mean, I think it's overall, he, he was very successful because, I mean, they didn't always have the best roster up there. They had, I mean, IT, Isaiah Thomas kind of came out of nowhere when you're up there and 
was almost won MVP kind of out of nowhere, uh, led by Brad Stevens. Uh, I think it's interesting him uh, taking over for Ainge in the front office, especially when you like kind of like a retrospective Ainge's like uh, tenure as the president of basketball operations. He did a lot of big things. He kind of started the big three era after that rough year Boston had in the early 2000s. Uh, he went and got KG and Ray Allen and formed the kind of original big three. And we all know how successful they were. And then he showed he wasn't afraid to adapt trading the big three to Brooklyn, which is one of the kind of most notorious trades in NBA history now, because it didn't really work out in Brooklyn's favor. Everybody thought Brooklyn was going to kind of be a super team. It didn't really work out. The Celtics kind of finessed them and got a lot of draft picks out of it and helped them build what they have right now. And then uh, a few years back, he had the Kyrie trade, which was huge and uh, league changing. So he, He's a very interesting front office member. And like you said, one of the more well-known in the NBA. I, uh, I remember when John Morant was being heavily scouted at Murray. Um, I was at a game and I saw Danny Ainge there in Murray, Kentucky. And it was really neat because I went up to him. And I, I, I just went up and said, hi, very, very nice guy. He didn't have to do that. Danny, if you're listening, thank you. Uh, told you then, tell you now. Uh, I think he's a great guy. It's, it's, kind of, it's the end of an era. And I'm, I'm excited to see what Brad Stevens can do. I'm excited to uh, – see who the Celtics bring in to be their coach. Cause that's such a prestigious uh, coaching uh, spot in the NBA. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Dange, uh, like you said, with that Nets trade um, as notorious as that trade was, and you know, he got so much credit for what he did because he did really swindle the Nets in that situation. Uh, I think a big part of his ending in, in Boston surrounds around that trade and the fact that the Nets are now more competitive than they are you know, a few years later. And, you know, Brooklyn was supposed to be so far down because they lost so many first round draft picks and Boston was supposed to be in such an elite spot because they had so many picks and they could deal so many picks and get so many guys. And it just never really worked out. Tatum ended up being the star and Tatum has worked out to an extent, but uh, you know, they're not as competitive as they thought they were going to be when they compiled all those draft picks. So it kind of makes sense. I kind of assumed Brad Stevens' time as a head coach was coming to an end in Boston just because they weren't getting any farther, and it was just kind of, you know, they hit the wall that they I thought they would hit. Uh, but I assumed he would end up going back to college or maybe landing another head coaching gig somewhere else in the NBA. Uh, so I, I, it kind of makes me think if he might be better suited as a front office guy, I think those teams at Butler, uh, well, we know he's a great coach, but his teams at Butler – were great because he got guys like Gordon Hayward and uh, Fred or not Fred Van Vliet, but uh, the point guard that was there. I can't remember his name now, but uh, Shelvin Mack was his name. Uh, Guys that were NBA type talent to go to Butler university was something uh, unheard of at that time. So uh, it makes me think maybe he might be a better evaluator of talent than he is a developer of talent. So interesting to see how that works out. Uh, in terms of their coaching staff, I kind of was hoping that they'll give uh, Chauncey Billups an interview. Uh, former Pistons point guard, he's been rumored for head coaching jobs a lot in the past. He's an assistant in uh, L.A. right now. And I think with the way uh, the trend of the new coaches has been, and specifically Juwan Howard at Michigan, uh, a young guy with a lot of assistant coaching experience, but has kind of been looked over in the past because he didn't have the head coaching experience. I think Chauncey Billups fits that role perfectly. Uh, and I really hope Brad Stevens gives him an interview because I think he would be a really good fit uh, for the move forward uh, in Boston. 
but they'll be interesting to see how we're going to have to keep an eye out on the NBA Twitter as we see the new moves and interviews going out to different coaches. Uh, good stuff there. We'll keep our eyes on that. Moving on to college basketball now as huge news in the coaching ranks there as well. Uh, the legendary coach out of Duke, Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, announced that this will be his last season at Duke. He will retire after how many seasons? He was there since 1980, uh, acquired a 1,097 and 302 career win-loss record and his five NCAA championship ranks second all-time behind John Wooden. Uh, they also announced that former Duke point guard John Shire was announced as the coach in waiting as the Duke Blue Devils enter a new era in college in their college basketball program. Dylan, just give me your reaction uh, of the news out of Durham. I think uh, it was kind of something that it's hard like not to expect because he's been there for so long. He's even, uh, farther up there at age. So we kind of knew it would come at some point. I'm glad he decided to kind of announce the retirement tour instead of saying, hey, this is it, calling it quits. Because the, the last year, the last two years have been so weird for Duke. They, they haven't gone like it seems like it should go for Duke. They're, Duke's usually just at the top of uh, the college game, and it hasn't been like that. So um, as easy it is to root against Duke, it'd be nice to see a classic Coach K and Duke team tearing it up in the ACC next year. Uh, and I like I said, with the retirement tour, I like this trend that we've seen in the last probably like five years or so we saw like Derek Jeter go on a retirement tour and see everybody just appreciate him. Uh, we saw Kobe do it in NBA and that was awesome. Uh, and then now coach K gets his, and I, I think that's gonna be really cool. And we'll just get to kind of over the next year, get to re relive all the great moments he's had. And it's, I, I was doing my research last night, just like kind of looking at all the numbers for coach K. So we know how great he is because I mean, he's coach K, but, I mean, just, like, really look at five national championships, 12 Final Fours, 15 ACC tournament championships, 12 ACC regular season championships, went to the Basketball Hall of Fame this year, went to the College Basketball Hall of Fame 15 years ago. I mean, that's just absurd. He's a three-time gold medalist as the head coach of Team USA. Uh, I mean, and the, the accolades just go on and on and on. Uh, John Schneier has – massive shoes to feel. I mean, like Shaquille O'Neal size shoes to feel. Uh, I could not imagine the pressure he's under, but he's a Duke guy. He was the point guard there. He's been with coach K for several years now on that coaching staff. Um, and you got to imagine coach K will be in his ear the whole time he's there at Duke uh, as Shire takes over and uh, leads Duke into a new era. Um, what were your thoughts with coach K and kind of all the breaking news out of Durham? Yeah, very similar. Uh, I think you kind of, with the way Coach K is, you kind of more expect the the retirement tour. He's kind of one of those personalities that fits that. He's, you know, the way he shakes hands with players after the games, that's just kind of his personality. He wasn't going to go out without at least giving himself something like that. But, you know, obviously an amazing career. Overlooked a bit uh, a bit is what he did with USA Basketball because they were on like a, a downtrend before he took over and then he got all those all the big guys to come back like LeBron and stuff and they became so successful like we know they were. Um, this is a, interestingly enough. This is one of those random facts about sports that's just imprinted in my brain and I couldn't find a source online just because I think of all the retirement news lately. But do you remember? This is not the la the first time that Coach K has announced he was going to retire at the end of the year. Do you remember the last time he did it? I do not. 
it was 2009 and it was John Shire's senior year at Duke. And they ended up winning the national title against Butler that season. It's Brad Stevens against Brad Stevens. He ended up coming back because they won that year and ever, and stayed for another 10 or 12 years. So I, I know that that's a fact. I remember them talking about it during that game. Uh, so Interestingly enough, John Shire is very used to this type of season with Coach K. So he will be able to uh, speak to the guys in terms of like, hey, I did this and it's not impossible to win in this situation. You've still got great players. You've still got a great coach around you. Uh, I think it's just it is a perfect setup. And I think Coach K thought about that when he was making that decision. Hey, I've got a guy like John who has been through a situation like this and can make it even better than I, I once thought. So I think a lot of trust in John Shire made this decision easier for Coach K is basically what my thought process was. Uh, when I heard that name, I was like, OK, that makes a lot of sense. And in terms of John Shire on the on the flip side uh, Relating it back to Juwan Howard again, it's another situation where it's a young guy, hasn't had a head coaching experience, but uh, it's so in-depth and ingrained in that program that it just makes sense. And uh, I think with guys like Juwan Howard, John Shire, Penny Hardaway at Memphis, these are all guys that make sense. Uh, and uh, the future of, of college basketball coaching uh, is younger, and I like that. I like the way these younger coaches get after recruits and get after different ways to play the game. So. I'm excited to see what Duke will be in like a younger look, a younger feel without Coach K, even with all the success he has. Don't want to bag on Coach K. He's uh, one of the legends of the game, obviously. But I'm excited to see what that Duke program could look like in like a new era, just a a different era. Uh, It's exciting. Uh, It's an an exciting thing when these college programs uh, go through changes like this. Well, it's amazing because like in the last decade, Duke's gone through so many changes from like the John Shire team that won the national championship where it was a lot of upperclassmen and uh, it's not like that at all now like Duke is one of these powerhouses that does have more uh, upperclassmen sprinkled in with these five stars but I mean now it's Duke's just turning them in and out since about the Jabari Parker year they've just been circling in and out five stars so it'll be interesting if I'd imagine a Shire team will look a lot like a Coach K team but will it be eight five stars slash four stars instead of maybe six with uh, older guys sprinkled in? It'll be interesting to see. And that's as basketball progresses, the college game is completely changing uh, in the coming years. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens in Durham and the rest of college basketball. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's awesome to see, and I just like to see how these these teams adapt to how the game is changing. You know, college basketball is changing rapidly, so – uh, credit to Duke and uh, credit to Coach K. You know, uh, we will take a, let's take a moment to say congrats to Coach K and all the success, success he's had over his career and wish him a happy retirement, him and his family. Uh, he deserves it for sure. Uh, we will move on now to the fun topic that Dylan brought up with all these awesome playoff matchups. We wanted to give a look back at some of our playoff, favorite playoff moments of all time. Uh, Dylan, I'll just throw it up to you. What do you got for us? So, when I think of like my favorite playoff moments, it always goes back to 2011. It goes back to the World Series, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Texas Rangers, Game Six. I'll never forget. Stayed up late. My Cardinals are down to the Rangers. I'm worried they're going to lose. All I want in this world is for the Cardinals to get their 11th World Series. It goes to extra innings. Thinks thinks the ninth inning heroics by Lance Berkman. David Freeze steps up in the 11th, launches a home run. 
And we hear the iconic line, we'll see you tomorrow night for Game 7. David Free sends the Cardinals into Game 7. They go on to win the World Series. That is just – like right now I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. I love it so much. I've watched that play a million times. It's the first thing I think of when I think of the big moments in the playoffs. Absolutely love it. Uh, when I wrote down in my notes, favorite playoff moments, I put in uh, um, parentheses, other than freeze. Because <laughs> so I was like, that's it. Uh, the second one, that, that's not my team. It's just in general sports, it, it goes to the NBA. The 2016 NBA Finals, uh, when the Cavs and Warriors play, the Cavs are down three to one. They fight back. And then that game seven, Iggy, Andre Iguodala is going up for a layup and LeBron comes out of nowhere. We all know the iconic line, just like from Freeze, blocked by James. It's absolutely thunderous uh, in Golden State, and they go on to win uh, and complete the 3-1 comeback. Absolutely incredible. Uh, and then I, I've got a few more. I wrote down Titans and Patriots from a few years ago. It's not just a specific moment, but just that game. It kind of like symbolized the end of that Patriots dynasty because we all know Brady ended up leaving the Patriots. Uh and just kind of that game was so much fun for me as a Titans fan and uh, just beating the Patriots in Foxborough and then uh, going on to the AFC championship that year. And then I have a few honorable mentions that I won't go as far in depth with. Uh, I'm going to count this as playoffs. It's postseason. Uh, the NCAA tournament from 2018, Murray State led by John ja Morant, my, my alma mater, played Marquette led by Marcus Howard. John Morant finished with a triple-double. Murray won by about 20 points, just an absolute dominant win. The greatest Murray State sports moment uh, to this point until they win a national championship. Absolutely love that. And I've got two more honorable mentions. Team USA soccer in 2014, when they played Ghana and Portugal, it's two games, but I'm counting it. I, I made this topic. I, I'm counting it. <laughs> they played Ghana and Portugal, and I – didn't have a care in the world about soccer at the time. And I watched both those games at Six Flags in St. Louis with a bunch of people at a sports uh, bar. And it was the most fun I've ever had watching sports, just cheering on my country uh, and having really low expectations because the, the running I, gag is that we're, the USA isn't that good at soccer. But we were fighting with Ghana, fought with Portugal, who had uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. It was absolutely fantastic just uh, being able to show pride to the country. And, uh, kind of rallying with people around you. And then my last one is a couple of years ago when the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup and getting to be with a lot of Blues fans, just seeing the joy they had. And I, I love St. Louis sports fans because of the Cardinals. We all got to rally, sing Gloria, and watch them win the Stanley Cup. It's a lot of fun. Uh, writing this list was a lot of fun because it just brings back so many great memories of sports. And it's, it's why you love sports, all these big-time moments and big-time games. Uh, what does is, what is your list look like? Yeah, so I, I love the list, and interestingly enough, I think my list is, like, pretty similar, just in terms of, like, different teams, but, like, similar moments. So when my first thing, when you brought this uh, brought this topic up, I first went back to 2006. Uh, growing up, the Tigers were terrible. The Detroit Tigers were one of the worst teams in the MLB. Uh, I think it was 2003 where they had the second worst record in major league history lost like 113 games or something crazy like that it was being a baseball fan in Detroit was terrible and then all of a sudden in 2006 uh, we get a young Justin Verlander in our starting rotation we had a bunch of young hitters uh, Miguel Cabrera came over in a trade that see I think it was that season where we got Miguel Cabrera but uh, move on to the ALCS 
uh, after upsetting the Yankees in the ALDS, get the Athletics, take a 3-0 lead, and we just we're, know we're so close to that World Series. Tie game, bottom of the ninth, and Meglio Ordomia hits an absolute bomb to left field, walk-off home run. Uh, it's the first moment I wrote this down. It's the first moment that I actually cried tears of joy in my whole life. I was like, uh, and I couldn't control it. It was one of those moments where I just, I finally understood what tears of joy meant and how you can't control that. It was just one of those moments that just gives you goosebumps thinking about it. Uh, We did go on to lose to your Cardinals in that world series, but that moment still comes back to me every time. Uh, That moment was worth it, even though we did end up uh, getting beaten pretty badly in the world series um if we're going back I also have a hockey moment Uh, if you go back to 09 and the Red Wings beating Sid the Kid in Pittsburgh I wasn't I was kind of out of my hockey phase at that point but uh when you had Sidney Crosby on one side and your team on the other side and you just you wanted to win so badly and I think that's giving credit to Sidney Crosby that's what he did for the NHL was bring guys like me back to the gamers like I want to beat that man so bad Uh, and for us to do that in 09 was awesome uh in basketball very similar moment but with the pistons uh everyone knows the 04 run with the pistons them going on to beat the lakers my moment comes in the eastern conference finals against the pacers 69 67 game fourth quarter low scoring game because that pistons team was so good at defense uh and reggie miller has a wide open layup with about 30 seconds left to tie the game. Looks like easy, easily going to tie the game because he's at the three-point line. As he gets the three-point line, Tayshaun Prince is at the half-court line, ends up closing the gap, and probably the best playoff block other than LeBron's block on Iguodala. Unreal, comes back, chase down block, saves the game. They end up making two free throws, winning the Eastern Conference Finals, going on to beat Kobe and Shaq in the finals. Uh, one of those moments where I... I don't, I was really young, so I don't specifically remember that moment, but I remember that series. And if you go back and watch it on YouTube, it's one of those things where you go, I know Tayshaun Prince was good, but I didn't think he was ever that good. And that it's one of those plays where you just go, I don't know how a human being can make that type of play, how he can make it from half court to the rim before Reggie Miller makes it from the three point line to the rim. So uh, that also, and then an honorable mention, because in football, the Lions have given me nothing. Uh, they've never won a playoff game, so it's impossible to give you a moment from that. Uh, but if I had to give you a football moment, uh, the Stefan Diggs play against the New Orleans Saints, that's probably my favorite play of recently. Uh, I'll go back every once in a while and watch fan reactions of that play on YouTube, and it just warms my heart from the Minnesota side. I can feel the pain from the New Orleans side at the same time. Uh, just one of those magical moments. Uh, and I, I, I always root for Stefan Diggs. I saw him at Maryland. I thought he was a bit underrated coming, out of the, coming into that draft. And to see him make a play like that and just kind of cement himself like, Hey, I am one of the real wide receivers in this league. Uh, that was one of those moments. And then if we're going college as well, two big moments for me, the Trey Burke shot against Kansas and the uh, Jordan Poole shot against Houston, two of the biggest moments in March Madness history. And I was able to experience them for my team. Both teams made it to the national title and ended up losing. But you know, when you experience those March Madness moments, uh, you'll never forget it. Uh, those are the, those are the truest truest moments as a, as a college fan, when you get those buzzer beaters like that, it, it's, it's amazing. I have one more honorable mention that I just remembered. Uh, I'll never forget. It was seventh grade and my Murray state racers 
I'll never forget this. They they won the OVC championship, got the automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. They got matched up against Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt had uh, John Jenkins and Festus Azili, and they ran through the SEC. The only team in the SEC that uh, could beat them was Kentucky with John Wall and Demarcus Cousins. And I will never forget. I I was so dejected when they drew uh, Vanderbilt in the first round. It's like they're worried, they're going to get killed. They have no chance. They got this big center in Festus Azili. Kept up with them the whole game. I remember I got off the bus at home as they were, Murray State was inbounding the ball down one. They got it to Denaro Thomas. He puts a jumper up from the free throw line and sinks it to beat Vanderbilt in the first round. Could not believe it. Murray State advanced in the second round. Lost to that Brad Stevens Butler team by one point. And then they end up going on that magical run and barely missing a half court shot and losing to Coach K's Duke team. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, March Madness will give you like give you those moments. They'll give it to you, and then they'll take it right away, just like that. That's the and that's the beauty of March Madness. You get you get it, and then you get it taken away, just like that. So, uh, awesome stuff. Love the list. Uh, we'll have to do. I, I'd like to get some of the other guys on here and get their list on that because that's a great topic. Love the love the stuff there. Uh, we will move on to this week in sports now. Uh, the Lakers wrapped up their season last night. Uh, Unfortunately for them, as Anthony Davis started the game, then five minutes in was out of the game. That basically did it for the Lakers as uh, they go on to lose the series to the Phoenix Suns. LeBron and the Lakers are done. It's tough, and it's tough to kind of evaluate their season because they had the shortest layoff in the in all of the NBA. Uh, they just won a title in the in the bubble, so. It, it's tough. It's very tough. And like LeBron said last night, it's tough because they really never were at full strength all year. So it's tough to evaluate really how good they were, but Dylan, the Lakers are done. They have to move on. LeBron has to reevaluate this Lakers team. Uh, What is your evaluation of where the Lakers are at now as they uh, get ready for another season next year? Well, I like, since we've been doing this show, we've been talking about the playoffs, getting ready for the playoffs. And obviously the Lakers have been a huge topic. Every time we talk about them, I'm like, man, you can't pick against them. It's the Lakers. Like, I don't care if they're the seven, eight seed, six seed, five seed, whatever. It's the Lakers. It's LeBron James, Anthony Davis. And I think this series just showed they were really the seven seed and the Suns were really the two seed. Uh, I think this series was really more about the Suns. And because last year in the bubble, they nearly made the playoffs after being so far behind. They went undefeated in the bubble, fell just short. And they've just kept that momentum going. Um, and now they're in the next round of playoffs. For the Lakers, though, I think it'll be very interesting because, like we talked about the Celtics earlier, the Lakers are one of these top franchises in the NBA, and they don't handle uh, failure very well. So you have to imagine they're going to go out and try to add a piece to this team, whether they need it or not, because we don't really know, like you said, because they were hurt all year. They had a very, very, very short uh, layover between the bubble championship and then starting this season. Um, it'd be really cool if they went and got somebody else to add to this team because I love watching them. Watching LeBron and AD when they're healthy is just incredible. It's it's absolute uh, basketball paradise. Um, it'd be interesting to see, though, because we know the Lakers are at least going to reach out to people. That's what they do. And the rumor mills will go crazy and all the fun uh, – hypotheticals of oh what if what if they can get Damian Lillard from Portland and add him to this uh 
massive big three. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they need to, though. I think just let a healthy LeBron and AD run it back, see what happens. Because the NBA is in a really fun stage, and LeBron talked about it last night, where it's kind of transitioning into these younger stars. And we've seen it in the playoffs with Luka and Ja, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, all these younger guys, Trey Young, all these younger guys just starting to take over. So it'd kind of be fun to see old man LeBron and uh, kind of AD's kind of becoming a veteran now, see them kind of go up against these young guys by themselves one more time. I don't know. I The Lakers are just a lot of fun to think about and speculate about because there's so much attention on them that when they do come up short, it becomes the number one story and uh, everyone wants to know what's next for them. Yeah, that fan base really does not take losing lightly. It's one of the first things I do every time the Lakers lose is just look up, just type LeBron into Twitter and just look at the tweets and you'll see why it's tough to be an LA sports star because, you know, he just won a title and it's already, they're already turning against him. Uh, at the, my thought process, you know, obviously give credit to the Suns. Uh, Devin Booker was snubbed from the all-star game this year at, definitely need to look at him as a super legit superstar in this league cp3 kind of getting over some of his playoff woes so a lot of credit to phoenix for sure uh i think this offseason obviously they're going to look out to guys regardless but you need to figure out what's wrong with anthony davis uh if you need to go send him in for like a full body scan or whatever and just figure out all of his weaknesses because it's every ever seems like every other game he's going down with a different injury and a different major injury too, not just like a, a, a tweak or anything. It's a pulled groin. It's something that's going to make him miss multiple games. And if it, if it comes down to it where he can't really play the same way that he does without getting himself hurt, you know, if he's not playing, he has to play a less athletic game in order to keep his, you know, keep himself on the court then you're definitely going to need to see LeBron go after another superstar because the reason that Anthony Davis works so well is because he's so versatile and he can do things like a guard at that six, that six foot 11 with his massive wingspan. Uh, if he can't do that in the future without getting himself hurt, then there's definitely going to be a need to, to get another star in LA if they're going to want to make another run. Uh, the Damian Lillard stuff is already heating up. Uh, it's tough to speculate on that really because it's, you know, it's just so early. Both teams just got eliminated. So, uh, but I, I think that's an interesting player to at least reach out to because at the same time, I like Schroeder and I like what Schroeder does for that team. I think he's one of the good reasons. And I think that if I can criticize LeBron for anything is just kind of given up on some guys a little bit too early sometimes. And I think Schroeder is one of those guys where it's, he could be a really big piece to your future in an NBA in a, in a finals run. Uh, so just going out and getting a superstar to replace him with, it might be good for one year, but it might not be good for the long run. So I, I hope, uh, I hope they figure that out. And I, I honestly hope they just kind of run it back with what they've got. Cause I don't think we really got to see them as a full unit, be able to really mesh and get back uh, to where they were in the bubble. So I think it'll be interesting, but I think definitely they're going to make some moves. I'm not sure what, but we'll have to look out for the for Woj bombs in the future. Because a nice a- fit I just thought of might be a Michigan guy going out to LA, Duncan Robinson. I know he's about to be a free agent. That was this series watching it. It just seemed like they needed another shooter, and man, Duncan Robinson can light it up from three. Get him out to LA and let LeBron feed him a little bit. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Duncan Robinson is definitely a, a dude that fits with that LeBron style too. Just a guy like kind of like a Kyle Korver type dude where you can just sit in the corner and make some shots yeah. for you. Or like Mike Miller, all those years in Miami. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good point. Definitely have to keep an eye on that. Duncan Robinson probably going to get a good paycheck this, uh, this off season. So we'll see where he ends up. If he, if the LA can make the, the cap space to get him. Uh, all right, finally, let's wrap up this week. Look forward to the weekend. Like I said in the lead-up, there is something involving boxing going on this weekend. As Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul gear up to go ahead on Sunday. Uh, no judges, uh, no winner will be read at the end, but the refs can call a knockout. So I don't know. It's it's a boxing match or it's a boxing event. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on the on the fight event going on this weekend? I'm very intrigued by it because. It's got eyes on boxing, sort of. <laughs> it's it's very interesting. Um, and I think the only reason it's interesting or intriguing or whatever word you want to use is because how much bigger Logan Paul is compared to Floyd. I mean, Logan's got a solid six inches and about 50 pounds on Floyd. And he's also a lot younger. And Floyd's had two fights in the last three years we saw we saw him fight conor mcgregor a couple years ago knocked him out and then he fought an exhibition in japan against the kickboxer and knocked him out and then this is he's coming back to fight logan paul <laughs> try to think of a way to try i guess <laughs> amateur boxer logan paul um floyd's undefeated logan is oh one and one he's had two fights against fellow youtuber ksi uh, he drew the first fight and then uh, lost on decision the second, and now he's got a fight against maybe the greatest boxer of all time, Floyd Mayweather. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Uh, personally, I, I think Floyd will hopefully walk out. That'll that'll that would be something if Logan Paul uh, beat maybe the greatest boxer of all time. Uh, we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that as the weekend approaches and the fight comes up on uh, Sunday, I believe. Yep, it is going on Sunday, uh, June sixth. Uh, if I, my main thought is just if you could go back to, I don't know, freshman in college, Dylan Jesperson, and be like, hey, uh, Floyd Mayweather is going to be fighting Logan Paul in a boxing match in a, in a few years. I don't know. I, I I don't know if I could really get to that point and believe you because I, well, <laughs> I completely agree. I'm imagining telling Dylan Holt in murray kentucky when i'm getting ready to watch floyd mayweather versus manny pacquiao he's like hey <laughs> in a couple of years he's gonna fight that guy from vine <laughs> like, all right i guess I, uh, unbelievable from like the perspective of like i i remember when like the mayweather mcgregor fight was getting pitched and it was like nah there's just no way that just seems so ridiculous it's like that just seems so out there like why would mayweather do that why would mcgregor do that and then now it just it this is obvious it's like okay yeah obviously mayweather is going to go out and make the get the bag um i think you know interestingly enough these rules kind of go against mayweather you know uh, as an older guy uh obviously he's Floyd Mayweather. He should be able to knock out Logan Paul, but if he can't say he's just a little bit too old, too, too slow to get those, those knockout punches. I mean, are you going to, 
is anyone going to be happy if Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul just fight to a no decision? I, I don't think so. I think that's a win for Logan Paul if he doesn't get knocked out. So I don't know why he structured the rules like this, unless he's just so confident that he's going to knock out Logan Paul. Uh, I think it's more, like I said, I think at this point, it's just more of an event. He'll probably keep it going for a couple of rounds and then really let go in the, in the fourth or fifth round and just try to, get him out get him out with a nice clean punch i i hope so because these are two guys that i almost want to root against like both of them but like i can't root for logan paul in like any sense of the way so i'm hoping mayweather just goes out and gives him a good good piece of boxing but at the same time i think it would be fun just like to see what would happen if floyd Mayweather drew a boxing match against Logan Paul. I think that would break the sports world, even if it is like a 50 year old Floyd Mayweather. It's just, it's crazy. It's it's a wild situation, uh, tough to cover from a sports uh, perspective, but you know, we'll, we'll keep our eye on it. We're definitely interested to see what happens on Sunday uh, and what that brings. And lastly, the first round of the NBA playoffs will wrap up this weekend. Dallas is trying to wrap up their series with the Clippers tonight, uh, game seven, if necessary, on Sunday. And then the second round starts tomorrow with game one of the Nets and the Bucks. And then also the NHL is well into round two. Montreal, Boston, Tampa, and Colorado all hold slight leads in their second round series. So Dylan, what what are the matchups you're looking forward to the most for the weekend and uh, the upcoming week? I'm really excited for Dallas and L.A. tonight. Um, I'm hoping that goes to game seven. Uh, I'm rooting for the Mavericks, but this series has been a lot of fun. And uh, I want the NBA to spoil me and give me an early game seven and uh, get that experience. Uh, I, I'm interested interested to see what Bucks nets look like in the playoff because, I don't know, I just – in my head, I've got Brooklyn at just like a different level than everybody right now. But I also said the same thing about the Lakers, and we see, we saw how that turned out. Uh, so I think that's going to be really interesting. Uh, Giannis and Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton going against the big three up there in Brooklyn. Uh, Nuggets Suns, I didn't think that would happen. <laughs> so I have no idea what to expect in that series because the Suns look like the 2015 Warriors. They can't miss from three at time. And the Nuggets just beat a team that couldn't miss from three at times. So uh, that'll be interesting. And then the last NBA matchup that I wrote down was Hawks-Sixers because the Hawks have looked really good. The Sixers have looked dominant. So it'll be interesting to see that dynamic. The 76ers have developed um, some playoff experience under the belt after being kind of that young uh, team in prior years. They've got that experience under the belt. The Hawks are that team trying to get experience. They got the first round. Uh, win over the Knicks. We'll see how that goes. They uh, go into Philly for what's going to probably be a very tough series for them, having to go up against Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And then the hockey I'm looking forward to, I'm hooked on the Winnipeg Jets. I I really enjoyed their series against Connor McDavid and Edmonton. Um, They're down 1-0 to Montreal right now. I'm definitely going to keep an eye on that. Then I got to keep an eye on the Colorado Avalanche and uh, the Golden Knights of Las Vegas see how Vegas responds tonight after going down 2-0. Uh, what are these matchups you're looking forward to as we go into this weekend? Uh, same here with the uh, Clippers and Mavericks series. Uh, I'm really hoping that goes to a game seven. I've loved everything that Luka has done. And I, I I don't know why the Clippers obviously haven't won anything as of late, but they just seem like that 
the evil team out there, like the evil empire team that's out there. Like Kawhi and Paul George just seem like this, this group that created and made a team and they, in order to win a championship and they just can't get out of the first round. So, uh, I'm definitely excited for that rooting for the Mavericks. Uh, if I had to root for like one matchup, uh, to make it to the NBA finals, I would love to see the Mavericks and the Hawks play each other. That Trey young versus Luka Doncic matchup would be insane. And I think they're so evenly matched in terms of teams. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but if I could request the NBA to give me a matchup, I would love that matchup to happen. Uh, I also think, you know, I'm interested to see what the 76ers are going to be now that Joel is, you know, hurt day to day with that meniscus tear it's tough to see what they would be without Embiid in the middle of that lineup. I don't know if they're going to be as dominant, and I think the Hawks could give them a run if he's not at 100%, which is tough to be when you've got a partial tear in your in your knee. So uh, definitely interested in that. On the hockey side of things, I think that Boston-New uh, York Islanders matchup really gives uh, is really going to be exciting. They've already had a couple overtime matchups in that series. The Boston's up 2-1. to one. And anytime you get Boston and New York going at it, that those rivalries become very intense. This is like an alternative rivalry, but it still works. You got Boston fans, you got New York fans. It's kind of the perfect mixing pot for some great playoff hockey coming up. So uh, interested to see the Islanders obviously upset the got a big upset in the first round and now they're trying to upset Boston. We'll see if they can do it. Boston holds a two one lead after winning in overtime yesterday uh interesting to see what happens there uh and yeah i'm i'm excited to see what happens on that side of the eastern conference because i think i I was talking with some of my friends and i thought if the lakers went down then i thought actually philly was going to be the best team left in the playoffs and now with Embiid kind of struggling with an injury it's tough to i don't think there is a favorite uh maybe the suns but I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if any team can really say, hey, we've got the best chance to win the finals right now. I think it's a wide open uh, a playoff bracket. And that makes for some exciting stuff coming up. All right, all right. That is going to do it for us today. Thanks, Dylan, for another great show. Thank you for all the listeners who made it all the way through. You can catch me or Dylan or any of our fantastic writers on social media on Instagram and Twitter at underscore TV sports on Facebook and LinkedIn at tunnel vision sports and on the web at www.tvsportsmag.com. All right. We will see you all next week. Have a great week. TV sports nation.